You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and it is game week, which does mean it's time for Jimbo Fisher's press conference. That's right, the head coach of Texas A&M met with the media yesterday to talk about all the recent news that has been happening, who is expected to step up in their places, and what to expect going into the week against Vanderbilt. Before we begin, as always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday. That's right, we are Monday through Friday now. Every day is a Locked on Aggies podcast day. Give me a follow, give me a shout-out, let me know what you want to listen to, and more importantly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. So everyone knows that the Aggies had two big opt-outs late into the process alongside those names in the Big Ten, alongside those names in the Pac-12, and it was two that really were going to be detrimental to the team's success this year in Jamon Osbin and Anthony Hines. Now, Osbin being the safety net security blanket for the likes of Kellen Mond, is a lot bigger of a deal because there's also little depth of production at the wide receiver role. Anthony Hines, however, it's not as big as a blow because there are quality linebackers that are backing him up, such as Aaron Hansford, such as second-year linebacker Andre White Jr., such as incoming talent like Anthony Doyle, such as Edger and Cooper. But in reality, the problem is... They had a plan in place. So, naturally, that was one of the very first questions asked at Jimbo Fisher's weekly press conference going into the week against Vanderbilt. Naturally, being the smart leader he is, Fisher had his comments. Here's what he had to say about the opt-outs. Listen, I don't mean this. Yes, I mean, they're always keeps you off guard because you hate to lose those guys. But at the same time, all the things that have happened out there today in this world in, in the recent times, there's so many different things, the way they affect young men, the way they affect families. And we don't always know the family effects that they've had and what those families have dealt with, not just from each of them, but, you know, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads, brothers, sisters. That's all. There's a lot of things that happen. So we wish those guys nothing but the best. But, you know, we'd love to have them. But at the same time, we understand and respect everything they do. Because both guys are outstanding. I mean, they're outstanding students. They're outstanding people. have done a great job for us. But that's just the times we're in right now. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented times and things like this from guys that could, could test positive to opting out. There's just things you got to be prepared for as a coach right now that you know, you're trying to do as best you can. And, you know, guys that have stepped up, a lot of our receivers, I mean, whether Hez was there, I think Jalen Preston's had an outstanding camp, Cam Brown. I think our receivers have done a really good job. Caleb Chapman has been really good. And we moved guys all around. Chase Lane, Moose, uh, Damon, uh, you know, Dalen Wright has done well, well. Uh, Devin's been banged up a little bit, but he's been, you know, when he's played Kenyon, I mean, all those guys have all played and done well, and plus our tight end packages and the things we have. So, you know, we have plenty, and those guys have, and we've practiced without Jamon for a long time now. It's not like having him, but at the same time, those guys have really taken advantage of their opportunities. And linebacker wise, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you know, you hate to lose Anthony, but, you know, Aaron Hansford's really had a good camp. Aaron can rush, he can play, he's athletic as, as heck. And Edgerton Cooper's had a really good camp. Antonio Doyle as well, of course, Buddy's being Buddy. Of course, Chris Russell, Andre White, those guys have all done a good job. Terry and Lee, 
KK. I mean, all those guys. So, we, you know, you have enough. You hate to lose anybody. But at the same time, those guys have had really good camps or play them well and, and uh, make them plays. Catches you off guard is one thing, but building around it is something that Fisher has done multiple times in the past. It's not like he hasn't gone into a season, lost his starting quarterback, and had to pretty much go for it all at Tallahassee at Florida State in his final year when DeAndre Francois got hurt against Alabama. More importantly, what I think that this does is I kind of like what he said about how they've been practicing without Jamon Osmond. A lot of people have been asking, where has Jamon Osmond been in practice? Why has he not been around in fall camp? Where has he been? Is he opting out? There was no real question answer at the time. It was just, you know, Fisher doing his job to protect his players. So there wasn't any rumor speculating that the attention wasn't turning away from camp. But more importantly, what this really does is it shows the development of the wide receiver position. And he said it pretty clearly. The name that was very shocking to me was Caleb Chapman. Caleb Chapman was a guy who I thought last year was going to have a big time year for the Aggies and was very limited. I thought that he was going to be the breakout guy instead of Anaya Smith. I thought he was going to be the name that everyone would watch for. And he really didn't do anything. Now you're hearing that he had a really solid camp. And because of that, he's earned a starting role in the three receiver sets. Jalen Preston was a name that I thought everyone was going to be a little bit high on. Cam Brown was a name I didn't really even know that much. I knew that he was a guy on the depth chart. And apparently he's had a great camp. But Jalen Preston's the one that impresses me the most. I thought last year what he did in a very, very, very limited role with the second-team offense, really only played in the second half of blowout games, he made the most of his opportunities. Now, again, he has to make those opportunities a little bit more. He has to be a name that steps up big for the wide receiver position. Because also, he kind of is the leader of the wide receiver room now. He had the most production last year. He was the most effective last year. He built a repertoire with Zach Calzada, that is going to have to transfer over to the likes of working with a guy like Kellen Mott. And I do like that he is still high on the tight end sets. Yeah, they're not going to have Blake Smith. They're not going to have Baylor Cup this year. And those are two big blows because they're two different types of tight ends that can be effective in their own way. And it really upsets me with Smith because Smith, I thought, actually was going to be that flex type of player that we saw that success in 2018 with Jay Sternberger. With that in mind... It's now a lot of pressure on on Jalen Weidemeyer, naturally so. I mean, it, it kind of had to be. But it also is saying, we trust that Ryan Rennick can be the other guy. We're not just going to lay down and die at a position that we know is going to be detrimental to the team's success. Tight ends in today's league, for quarterbacks that are either feeling the pressure, quarterbacks that aren't you know feeling their best with the deep ball that day, look last night. Any of you watch the game of Las Vegas versus New Orleans? And I only bring this up because of it shows when quarterbacks are afraid to go deep or don't have the ability to extend plays, they target their tight ends. Darren Waller last night was the most targeted player of the week at any position. Tight ends are important. And that's why I'm so high on Jalen Weidemeyer going into the year. I'm not sure Mon's deep ball with these young receivers is going to work immediately. But what is going to work is a security blanket, which is where Weidemeyer fits in. Linebacker role, it's nice to hear Aaron Hansford's name because this is the guy who's going to get his first opportunity to take over for Anthony Hines. And to hear that he can do blitzing, he can play well in coverage, you're going to allow Buddy Johnson to focus on the run, focus on playing up front, and he's going to do a little bit of everything. 
that's a good sign because it's a balance at a linebacker spot. You're going to allow one to be the captain and you're going to allow the other to fly around and make plays. That's what you're going to do. And if that's the way that you want to win football games, that's a smart way to win football games. The depth behind it, Antonio Doyle, uh, Edron Cooper, Andre White Jr., they all had apparently strong camps. I don't know how strong of a camp the freshmen have had. I know Andre White last year made the most of an impact. And I would like to see him maybe play some roles a little bit this year, especially because if he will be the future of the position, in my opinion, alongside Cooper or Doyle. But Mike Elko's 4-2-5 system has it working where one linebacker will just stay put and one will be moved around. If Hansford can be that guy, it's not a big loss for AM. And in fact, it probably actually sets AM up for a pretty successful start of the year. What I mean by that is it's not about Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, they're going to win. I mean, and we'll have a guest on later this week talking a little bit about why they're going to win. But I'm talking about Alabama and I'm talking about Florida. I'm going to keep harping down on this throughout the entire week until the games are over, done, bye-bye. I have to. Because unfortunately, when you look at the way that the schedule goes, those are the two most detrimental games to A&M. But if they can get the production from the wide receivers and the, what translate from camp goes into actual live games. And if Aaron Hansford can step up for Anthony Hines, they really didn't lose a step. Credit to Jimbo Fisher. He came out and said it clearly. We cannot plan for a regular season. Not just because of opt-outs, but because of what if a kid gets COVID? What if someone tests positive for something? There's a lot that goes into the situation. And I think right now, the way he answered questions, he answered them pretty smart. And more importantly, he answered them in a manner that shows we are not afraid of losing our number one target. Because Jamon Osmond was the number one guy. I'm going to be honest with you guys. He was my number one player to watch for in 2020. I had to go back and redo my list because of, I thought that highly of him. So I want to see what this wide receiver core can do. If they are exactly how Fisher says they were at camp, then I think this is going to translate very well over to the regular season. Guys, this episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have a wide selection of every single auto part you could ever need, and more importantly, they have the brand and low prices. Plus, you save time by installing things yourself because you don't have to pay that service fee. Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints had his tailgate stolen off the back of his truck. He went onto rockauto.com, found a brand new tailgate, had it shipped to his house, and installed it himself for a fraction of the price. Go to rockauto.com and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. Rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked on Podcast? The Locked on Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows every single day, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up to win your fantasy football season. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, Listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. There's always going to be a question about a really struggling team, and one of that is, what do you do best? And the one thing that you can say about Derek Mason at Vanderbilt 
He's always been a quality defensive mind. That's what he did when he was at Stanford. That's what he did early on when taking over for the likes of James Franklin. And he's still doing that even though the team is very much an underachiever on the field. And of course, that question was asked yesterday to Jimbo Fisher. Here's what he had to say about Derek Mason and how he runs his front seven. They're extremely diverse, extremely technical, extremely well coached, and they're disciplined in what they do, and they play very hard and physical. I mean, other than that, I mean, knows how to call it. I mean, knows how to leverage you, knows how to pressure you, knows how to um, make you do things you don't always want to do, trying to force you into different things in which you, you know, you don't always want to do the easy way out. Everything is a fight. He makes you earn every yard. There are no gifts. Something, you know, you always say as an offense coordinator, look, well, you, if you got that and you got that, you know, there's some yards there I can get consistently in that that I feel good about or I'd have a good shot. You don't find him with Derek. It's, 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 he's done a great job. And then you combine Ted Roof, who I've known Ted a long time, coached against him. Ted is a very good football coach, too. And you combine those two guys and what they're doing, it's a very difficult preparation. And then their players play hard and they're very physical. When you look at Vanderbilt in 2019, they weren't the best overall on defense. They had a down year, but they really were effective more in the pass defense. They only allowed an average of 227 yards per game. They only allowed 2,734 yards on the season compared to their rushing stats where they finished 13th in the conference with 2,505 yards. And when you look at the yards per game, they actually finished near the bottom as well, allowing 208.8 yards per game. So more importantly, this is likely going to be a run game defense. And maybe that's actually a good thing. The strength of AM going into the season actually is probably their running back role, with guys such as Isaiah Spiller, Anaya Smith, and Devon Onshane all being able to be a 1-2-3 combination. Yesterday was September 21st, their earth, wind, and fire. You have your earth, which is your spiller runner. You have your wind, which is a guy who's probably blazing fast and goes right by you. And that's Onshane. And then you have your multi-tool fired. And that's Anaya Smith. That's how AM is going to have to win. Especially when you look at how the wide receiver core still has some questions going into the year. They're going to rely, I think, on this 1-2-3 combination, each to play their role significantly. That makes them effective. Don't ask Isaiah Spiller to break out on speed when you know he can ground and pound it for six yards, make a couple of defenders miss at the line of scrimmage, and get to that second level. Don't ask Devin Oshane to go ahead and go run through the trenches when he's at his best on the outside. Don't ask Anaya Smith to be limited to any single role. If you can make all three work in their designed role for Jimbo Fisher's offense, it's going to be a long day for Vanderbilt's front seven. Of course, you also have to worry about the likes of, I would say, Anaya Smith. You know, he's a former wide receiver who could actually be effective at the passing game. And that was a question that was asked yesterday. Can Anaya Smith move back to wide receiver since there is a little depth at production at the position? Jimbo Fisher was pretty honest about it. There's no intention of moving Smith back to his original role at wide receiver for the upcoming season. There will be packages for him to be on the outside as a wide receiving option as a pass catcher, but don't expect to see him consistently lining up as a receiver like he did in 2019. To find guys, your tight end is a mismatch. It's a receiver in a mismatch. You move guys around. That's why you like to see receivers play multiple positions and not play one to create mismatches, whether it's size, speed, issues, and what you got. I mean, that's that's the game of ball. And Anais is a very versatile player and allows you to create mismatches. There's no doubt in my opinion. So, yes, I mean that. But that goes for everybody we have. But you know, Anais is very, very uh, attuned at that and understands because not only does he have physical skills, he has great mental skills. The ability to learn and, 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 and to retain is, is pretty amazing. 
Maybe I was a little low on Smith when I ranked him the 14th player to watch for in 2020. Because according to what Fisher's been saying, he's going to be used in a variety of ways. Again, the way that I would properly use him is as a change of pace runner, but more effective as a pass catcher. That's where I see the most of his success coming, at least in 2020. Because that's where they struggled last year finding a receiver as a mismatch. And he talked about that. Mismatches somehow win. And when you want to win, you're going to have to look at every type of position. That's why I think that Courtney Davis and Jamon Osmond were two very talented receivers that did not get the credit that they deserved when playing for A&M. They were multi-tooled. They both could play the Z position. They both could play the slot. They both could play the flanker role. The only role they couldn't really play was the split end, and that's because you want a taller guy and Kendrick Rogers fit the bill. But overall, they were multi-talented and versatile enough to be effective wherever they lined up, depending on the mismatch. That's going to be a Nysmith going into the year. Finally, what I'm sure everyone is here to know and everyone's here to ask, what's the injury update like? According to Fisher, there really is none. And even though COVID testing is going on every single day, they are prepped and ready to go when kickoff comes at 6.30 Saturday night. Right now, we feel really good. I mean, you know, you're, you're getting tests constantly, so those change every day. I mean, you wait for the test to come in and you keep your fingers crossed. And But right now, we're relatively healthy and, and good with where we're going. So, you know, look forward to moving forward and getting ready to play this first game. Health will always be a factor into a team's success, and going into the year, there's not really that many injuries. You know who's opting out. You know who are the replacement players. So overall, Fisher's first press conference addressing what will happen this upcoming week seems positive as the Aggies prepare for their matchup against Commodore Country. Two more names join our list for the Locked on Aggies. Top 25 Aggies to watch for in 2020. Who comes in at number 9? Who comes in at number 8? I'll give you a clue. They play the same position. They're just going to be used a little bit differently in different type of formations. Let's go through them in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. If you can't do any of that, listen live every single day on LockedOnPodcast.com. Into our top 10 for our top 25 Aggies to watch for in 2020. We've already gone through the list. Let's just keep get you up to date really fast. 25, Haynes King, just in case of injury. 24, Devon on Shane. 23, Brian George. 22, Devin Morris. 21, Caleb Chapman. 20, Dylan Wright. Probably was a little too high on him. Probably should put another name up there, but unfortunately, it's now a little too late. Coming in at number 19, Danelle Harris. Coming in at 18, Ryan McCollum. 17 and 16 was Jared Hawker and Kenyon Green. 15 was Jalen Jones. 14 was the likes of Anaya Smith. Definitely a little too low on him as well. 13 was Leon O'Neal Jr. Number 12 was the strong safety, Damani Richardson. Number 11 was Keldrick Harper. And number 10 was DeMarvin Leal. Coming in at number 9 is Jaden Peavy. This is a big disruptive guy who made an impact last year as the opposite player to Justin Matt BK. He was a guy who stepped up really big towards the end of the season. And I really like his production overall. But I do think that there are some things you want to see him work on. Be a little bit better against the run. You want to see him be a little bit more effective on double team blocks. And you want to be able to see him close gaps to where it has to bounce to the outside. That's why you have guys like Carper. That's why you have guys like Richardson. That's like you have guys like O'Neal. All able to come play the run and use their bodies to disrupt whatever happens against the, at the line of scrimmage. You want to see PV close those gaps because what that does is it opens up running lanes on the outside for Buddy Johnson, Aaron Hansford, and your safeties to come down and close the gap on a three-yard gain. 
That's pretty much what you do when you're a defensive lineman. Yeah, you want to be able to bull rush. Yeah, you want to be able to make a disruption against the pass. But your main job is to close gaps where the offensive line is trying to open running lanes for the backfield. Whether that be you have a running quarterback. Or that means you have a speedster runner who can just break free of every single tackle and make an immediate impact. All those things add up and turn into positive plays for a defensive lineman. You won't ever see their stat line be, oh, he had 22 sacks on the year. He had 59 tackles for losses. I mean, those are numbers that most players at any position won't have, but you certainly don't see that at the defensive line. PB is the veteran of the two. He's had more starting experience, so he's going to have to play a little bit more of a role. But coming in at number eight is the name I think a lot of people are excited to see, who is Justin Matipique's replacement, and that's Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown was really good at the end of the season, especially in that Oklahoma State game. When Justin Matibike said, I'm out, I'm going to go to the NFL, my time here is done, I will not be playing in the bowl game, Bobby Brown stepped up. And I think more importantly, what it shows with Bobby Brown stepping up is there's so much depth of quality players in the SEC in general, but more importantly at Texas A&M. Losing your key factor does not make you weak anymore. Of course, you want to see these guys finish their careers out with every single game. But what it did was it showed the production that Bobby Brown can bring to the table when given the opportunity. I very much was impressed with him in a limited role last year. 21 total tackles, two tackles for losses, half a sack. I want to see that bull rushing ability. That was something that I noticed on his high school tape that he was very good at. I want to see it translate over to the 12th man program. If that's a possibility, that's a big time get for AM especially when you look at how they're going to run their defense. Mike Elko has been a big proponent of playing front-heavy front seven. They only run a six-man front because if they trust that their secondary, which is a five-man system, usually playing with that nickel corner or that dime safety, can do the job against the receivers. But that run defense has got to step up. And I only say they have to step up because of the likes of the teams that finished above them, such as Georgia, such as Florida and Auburn, they were the fourth ranked team in run defense, all lost key players to their defensive lines. This is a unit that's coming back without one player in Matabike, but has the ability with the depth behind it to really make an impact. Last year, they only averaged 115 yards, 150.5 yards per, per game, and they only allowed 1549 on the season. When you compare that to the past defense, A&M's was kind of in the middle of pack. They allowed 211.7 yards per game and over 2,500 receiving yards on the year. So the run defense is more important and to get off on the right foot against a team such as Vanderbilt, who does no longer have Keyshawn Vaughn in the backfield, could be a statement that shows any running back that we face is going to have troubles against us. And I really think it's going to be important week two against Alabama because they have a guy by the name of Najee Harris who's going to be probably a big factor for Alabama's success in 2020. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here every single day on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we have a very special guest joining the show. Greg Arias will come on to talk all things Vanderbilt, get you geared up on what you need to know on Behind Enemy Lines. That's going to be back every single week. We will have a guest on representing the school that has been played. We'll do crossover episodes, of course, as well. But Greg Arias will be on tomorrow from Commodore Country, part of Sports Illustrated's channel, to talk all things about Vanderbilt. We will see you tomorrow. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.